Welcome to Behavioral Health in the New Normal, a podcast developed by Prestige Community Resources, aimed at bringing healing back to our community through knowledge, expert advice, and positive messaging. The show is a joint venture between the Department of Behavioral Health and Prestige Community Resources, funded by SAMHSA in response to the challenges currently impacting our communities. Hosted by Paul Wells Sr., who uses over 30 years of extensive clinical social work experience to conduct insightful interviews with experts and professionals on a wide range of topics that impact the Washington, D.C. community. From behavioral health crisis to education to financial hardship and anything in between, this show will provide information and insights that will surely make a difference in your life. Welcome back, family. I'm so excited today to introduce a powerful woman of faith, Pastor Tanya Ward. I'm going to tell you more about her in a moment. But she's here to give us information and to share information regarding food insecurities that have resulted as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. We know this is our experience. We're living in it, and it's had tremendous impact on, on the community and people of faith, of course. And, you know, we've been addressing various topics, emotional health, the impact that has had. Uh, our previous uh, podcast focused on housing and the dilemmas around housing security. Today, we're going to be talking about methods and strategies and ideas uh, as we combat food insecurities. I want to remind the audience that uh, Prestige is uh, offering these podcasts as a collaboration with the Department of Behavioral Health in Washington, D.C., and SAMHSA, federal government SAMHSA. So we're excited that there's been interest and committed to sharing stories and providing information uh, during this very uh, delicate time uh, that we're facing in the nation. But without further ado, I do want to make sure we get to know Pastor Tanya Ward, pastor, a woman of faith. Uh, spiritual leader. So, Pastor Ward, welcome to the show. We're so honored to have you. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Yes. We know that Prestige is a behavioral health clinic. We service uh, the mental health needs here in the DMV area. And one thing we recognize, Pastor, is there's certain stability factors that if unmet, you will have a, huff, a real, very difficult time addressing uh, mental health. If my housing ain't right and I'm homeless, it's hard for me to be happy about that. Uh, and this is a critical stability factor and need that we have. Food, we have to be able to have the nourishment and supply our bodies. And so we recognize uh, nationally that the pandemic has impacted many households and families and children uh, to the point where food is a scarcity and they may not have direct and immediate access to food. So we're going to follow your lead and you're going to guide us through the experience, what you've encountered, how you've responded to it as a church, as a, as a leader in the faith. Uh, but before we get to strategies, ideas, and applications, can you share a little bit about you? Uh, and I know you're a humble servant, uh, but I would like you to share a little bit about maybe how you grew up, uh, how did you get into ministry? And how and why did your ministry uh, embrace uh, this suit, this food service, uh, food bank, um, uh, uh, you know, a service? Can you tell us, Pastor, a little bit about yourself, please? Uh, I am 
the pastor of Victory Temple. I am also a mother of two children. I'm married. Um, I have um, uh, nine grandchildren and one great grand. I have been do, doing um, pantry for the past 29 years. Um, we have um, set sites in the area that we are in the community that we are working and um, I've been operating the pantry for years and I had to figure out different strategies to be able to maintain. Now that the um, the pandemic has hit, yes. um, it has impacted so many thousands of families in need for food. If you don't have food, uh, most people, even with mental health, it's different. I'm, I'm, I, I would say I'm, I'm really healthy, but if I don't have food, yeah. it changes my attitude. It changes Absolutely. my outlook. And mm -hmm. so everybody has been affected by uh, the COVID that has hit and it has impacted jobs. It has impacted um, where people live how they're going to get food. There are so many things that have been shut down. That's right. And so it's been difficult. That's right. You're absolutely right. And that we, we, we definitely agree in that experience and that interpretation of things. Uh, so let's go back a little bit to your background. And, and can you share with us, uh, obviously as a pastor, uh, as a minister, uh, there was a calling on your life and a, a target your heart and your spirit to help those assist others uh, as they are challenged with, uh, you know, with life dilemmas. Um, where did your calling and where, how did you get into ministry, I guess is what I'm asking. Uh, I Actually, I, I am fourth generation Kojic. I have my parents, okay, my parents um, brought us to church. Um, we were taught to pray and seek the Lord and seek his face. For me, um, I felt um, the urgency to do ministry. I started the church 30 years ago, uh, this June, and mm. I felt the need to do ministry. I felt the need to help in the community. I, I could see so many people, especially drug addicted and homelessness in our area. And so I was move to try to help um, in the community. And I also could see that the wellness and health of, of the, the people that I was coming in contact with in the community mm -hmm. was at a, at a place where they really needed help. Yes. I felt like I, I felt like I needed to uh, uh, go beyond my norms to try to help people. And that's what I've been doing. I, I, you know, as, as a pastor, it is my job to try to um, fulfill the need that God has given me to help people. But when I see that the people don't have food, that bothers me. And yes. so I had to try to figure out ways to try to help people because um, a, lot of, a lot of places do not get funding from uh, the state or the federal. Uh, especially some of the churches, mine doesn't get any. And so therefore, everything that we do, we do out of our heart and from the small budget that we operate from the church. 
So that's that's what I've tried to do. Uh, I understand that things have been heightened because of the pandemic and so many venues that were open are now closed. I understand that. And it has been a struggle. It is a struggle um, for us to be able to try to meet the needs of the people, you know, that we service in the community. Yes. Your sensitivity uh, specific to uh, persons not having food. Have you ever discovered or wondered why that's something that really um, bothers you and you really have an interest in ensuring that people have adequate food intake? There's so many uh, nuances I, to life. Why, why the food piece? What's that about? For, for me, I've, I've, I've always, I've been a sharer. Mm. And so I've always had passion for people. I've always wanted to be able to help people share whatever I had with the other people because I felt like if God had given me some, and my mother always taught us that share what you have with other That's people. Right. You might only have a little bit, but just share. They may not have any because we don't know how they're living in their houses especially as me as the pastor, people come to church all the time. I don't know what their circumstances are when they leave church. Right. And a lot of them will not, will not be transparent enough for you to know. You just yes. have to be able to perceive that there's a need there That's right. like you do when you perceive that there's a spiritual need. Okay. When you yeah. perceive that there's a spiritual need, then you attack it. And yes. then you try to, you try to, attach yourself so that you can help them so that they won't have lack. And so right. that's the way it has been for me. I've had, uh, that's my passion is to help people yeah. do whatever I can do to help them to get up on their feet, to be something, to have something. That's, that's been, I, I'm driven. Yes. Well, I, I, driven. Feel, I feel your, your calling and, and your passion and I definitely want to isolate this discussion even further to the church's role specifically in assisting those who are have whatever disadvantage or dilemma that they present with. I have to share something with the pastor. I'm a I'm a I'm a pastor's kid. I'm a I'm a PK. Grew up in the church. And I recall yeah. I grew up in the Amy church, and my mother actually ran a food pantry out of the church. Um yeah. But one thing, as you were talking, it, it reminded me of how some of the church folks didn't always embrace the need for service, the need to mm -hmm. uh, give to the community, because some of the profiles that the clients come with, they come in with addiction, they might come in with poor mental right. health, they may not have the sophistication that some of the other members. And, and I remember some of them church folks uh, having reactions uh, when the when the folks would even come in to secure the food and the other entitlements that were there. So question for you, how has your uh, congregation embraced your vision and your, your calling around serving the community? 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. That's we have, I have volunteers from the church. They're there. They're on site. They, mm -hmm. they, you know, um, especially since the pandemic hit, you know, when the pandemic hit, when we have to be six feet apart and we yes. have to have at, at our facility, we, when we service the people, the people are, the workers have gloves on, we have on um, the attire, uh, the plastic um, 
uh, visors. Yes. We have those on. Yeah. Um, we have on plastic. We have on the blue plastic um, coveralls so that That's we're right. covered as if you were going, if you went to the hospital and you know they have you with all this stuff on. That's what we have on because we're servicing the people. We don't know what they have when they come, but we are, we are mindful of the fact that these people have a need. It's our responsibility to help them. Absolutely. It doesn't matter how they come, if they come with addictions, if they come with mental health, and we have it all. They all come through. Oh, and I yeah. tell them, I have always taught this. I, I believe in integrity. Yes. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Come on now. Mm -hmm. I used to have to go to a pantry um, before, you know, a, a long time ago in my life when my yeah. children were young yeah. and I was not working. I had to go to a pantry. Mm -hmm. And I always said, if I ever had the opportunity to give back to the community, I'm going to show them how to be good stewards of what the Lord has given you. You cannot act like it belongs to you. It's what the Lord has given you to give to the people. And so the things that he's given me to give to the people, I give it to them. I, I have no holes bars. Whatever we get, we give out. And I mean, we give out. So you know, and we, we here recently, recently we have come to a place where we haven't had enough to give out because we have an overflow of people that are in need. Yeah. And people are coming from everywhere, mm -hmm. losing their jobs, losing their houses, losing their stamps, their food stamps, losing yeah. their vouchers. All of these people, they even have come to us asking for gas. Can you help us get gas? Yeah, Can you help us keep our lights on? Can mm -hmm. you help us keep our, our, uh, our heat on? So we've had all types of people to come through to the pantry that have needs. And we've been there to try to help as much as we possibly can. Pastor Ward, you said it's the church's responsibility to serve. And I respect that. And you said not only serve, but serve with integrity, serve with dignity, serve with respect. Now I understand why you have a special interest and a special gift in, in the area of service delivery and and healing and, and providing resources because you've had some experience. You've been on the other side of the table. And if you've ever been in a vulnerable posture, you know how much uh, a respectful comment and gesture means. It's invaluable. Yeah. You know, I got to go back to my, my church days growing up. And, you know, as a young little boy, I, I knew off the top. My calling was to work with those that other people would have strong reactions to. I knew I was going to work with those who were chronically mentally ill. And as you were talking, I was you reminded me of a gentleman, and that might be seven or eight. I, I remember this vividly. There was a guy in the neighborhood, and his name, coincidentally, was Moses. But he was just the, the neighborhood alcoholic. And uh, he would attend the food bank every Saturday and come to food. But he would also, on the dime, every Sunday, at, it must have been like 12 o'clock, he would walk in the church exactly at 12 o'clock. He would sit in the last um, row, you know, closest to the door. And he wouldn't be appropriately yes. dressed. He would smell of alcohol. And because of his uh, mental illness, sometimes he would use a little profanity while sitting there listening to the word. 
he would only come in and stay maybe 10 minutes and he would leave. He was disorganized and just thinking, I, I, I can vividly remember his presentation, but I also can viv vividly remember the reaction of the congregation. They were uncomfortable. In fact, some of the members uh, went to my dad and said, you know, should we be letting him come in on Sundays like that? That's so all is welcoming here. Right. And so when you're talking about the attitude and, and the philosophy and, and the model of serving uh, that you're promoting in your congregation, it is just um, tremendous. And, and I respect it. So thank you uh, for putting us all on notice and, and the buildings of faith, putting them on notice. It is our responsibility to help. So I imagine as folks come in for the food bank. As you said, they're presenting with a, sometimes a multitude of issues, domestic violence, housing issues, substance abuse, poor mental health, uh, underemployment, all of this stuff. And, and how do you and your team of volunteers, I heard, how do you respond to these multiple needs? I mean, I know food is, is, is the primary um, invitation into that food bank service, but how do you tolerate, listen to, and respond to the other needs? Well, what we do is when they come, and they do come, when they come and they want to talk um, and talk about whatever the issues are, we listen. Mm -hmm. And then we have, we have information that can help to assist them. We, we don't always have what they need as far as making sure they have money to pay their rent, money to pay their light bill, but we give them other resources in the area that will help that's them. Right. So that's what we do. Okay. And one thing, one thing I have done is when the people come to the pantry, I've all, and the, I, we, we've done um, teaching and training. I tell people, you're only a paycheck away from being homeless. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nobody told you you arrived. You're only a paycheck away. And just like that person is out on the other on the other side, it could be you. It didn't have to be them. It could be you. So you've got to keep that in mind when you're talking to God's people, because these people are God's people. I don't care how they come. come if on. they're drunk, if they're addicted, if, if they're homeless, if they're if if they're uh, 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 whatever the case may be, that's right. They're God's people, and we right. have to treat them like that. And 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 I'm I'm a, I'm I I remember. Um, when I was young and I had to go to a pantry, they didn't treat you so sweet. Sometimes the, 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 the people were very um, disrespectful. Yes. And I all said, I, I will never do that. I will never. It, took, it takes a lot for a person to get the nerve up to come to a pantry. Right. When they come to the pantry, that's their last resource. Right. And so when they come there, they, you cannot make them feel as though that they're beneath you. Because mm -hmm. when you do that, then, then they feel like they have no hope. And sometimes people, especially their mental health, when they're not stably, stable in their mind, their right. minds will tell them to do different things because they came there and you didn't treat them right. You understand. So that. their yep. mind goes to talk to them. That's right. And then they go to doing things that they wouldn't do if right. you only had been nice to them. Yeah. So all of those things are, is something that I keep in mind and I, I try to make sure that 
I make sure that we do what we're supposed to do. Training is very important to the, the, the team, team leaders and team workers that are working on your team. Because when people come there, you don't want people to come to the pantry and then start, put out the word, well, don't go there because they don't know how to treat you. They're nasty to you. You don't want that. That's right. When people come to get their bag or whatever means of uh, resources that you have for them, you ought to be, they ought to be able to, to have a smile on their face when they come in and get their food and go out. That's it right. should be a pleasant environment. Yes, right. So, so the staff training uh, is critical. Uh, and so I appreciate that. How many um, members of your congregation have had the direct need themselves. And I know your pantry and service is open to everyone in the community, but because I imagine, because well, I know church folks, that some of them are very reluctant to identify the need. The members of them, I'm talking right. about your members. And so how, how do you balance right. their privacy and uh, against the need to uh, serve them as well? So what I do, um, if they have a need, I'll put it out there to them. Um, I'll let, you know, as I do every Sunday, I tell them the pantry's open. If you need something from the pantry, the pantry's open. You, mm -hmm. you, you can get something from the pantry if you need it. A lot of people don't want people to know their situation. Right. So some of them are like Nicodemus. They come to me at night. <laughs> <laughs> they come to me when nobody's around and right. they tell me, they have a need. Yeah. When they yeah. do that, then I service them privately because you want to pe have people to have their dignity. Yes, you right. want them to feel, you don't, you don't want them not to have dignity. You don't want them to feel like they're, they're, and I, I don't, I don't want anybody to feel that way. Yeah. You know, there's two tenets of, of clinical work. One is cause no harm. And so what you're talking about when a client or a, a consumer comes for a service and they're treated badly, that can be called psychological harm, right? The other, another right. tenet in psychological work is you go where the client is. You start from the point where yes. they are. And so I appreciate that if yes. someone has a need outside of the traditional bank, food bank hours, you're going to make arrangements yes. because that's a need that they have. We and do that's that. Where they are in their space. Yes. Um, that is, that is, we powerful. also do emergency. We do the emergency piece too. If they mm -hmm. call the church and they have a need outside of our food bank hours, we service them then too. We, yes. because especially since the pandemic had started, we, we've had multiple, multiple calls. Sure. And you know what? I'm just grateful to God because the team that God has given us, when I tell them we have, we have to go and we have to service five or six families immediately, they immediately meet me at the church. We get things going and boom, we got it done. You yeah. know what I mean? And yeah, that I means do. a lot to me, Peter, that yes. you can call the people and they're Johnny on the spot. They're dedicated. They're loyal. That I appreciate. Yeah. You know, Pastor, one of uh, the aspects of my clinical practice is I do a lot of trainings to area churches, and sometimes they invite me as a speaker uh, to talk about mental illness and substance abuse. And not too long ago, I, at the request of a pastor here in Maryland uh, who uh, pastors a very large church, he, he lost his son to a tragic accident. And of course, the pastor was grieving and going through his process. Uh, in fact, that's how I was introduced to him. And he decided to um, 
invites and do a, a monthly series of four part series on grieving and loss. And he had other pastors come in each Sunday. Three other pastors came in and spoke directly from their experience of losing someone to tragedy. And they, of course, referenced scripture. And, and, and so I was the last speaker. I'm not the pastor, but he, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, the pulpit, I, I, I feel a little uncomfortable. They, they put me up there and left. <laughs> but the point is, I, I was really uh, educating them around um, the grieving process and uh, giving them permission to show their vulnerabilities and to express those vulnerabilities. And, and we were talking about mental illness, but there was a part in my presentation where I asked the congregation to acknowledge publicly if they had any experience with mental illness. Most of the hands went up. Then I drilled down even more and said, someone in your family have mental illness. A lot of hands went up. Uh, how many people in the congregation uh, have experience with substance abuse in their family? A lot of hands went up. How many people in the, in the congregation have immediate and current uh, experience with substance abuse in their family? Most of the hands went up. And the pastor was just amazed because if I hadn't prompted the congregation to engage in that level, he wouldn't even know it mm -hmm. because they're not coming to him, right, uh, for the counsel. Right. They're not talking about it because of the shame and the guilt and all that goes with that. So you're right. When people come in with this level of need, there is some embarrassment and shame and guilt and, and, and that's very pleasant emotional states that, that come with them, that accompany them when they receive that. Listen to this. Tell me about uh, some of the resources that you pull on. Now, you said you're, you're not getting money, any grants, any federal funding to support your food bank? No. Have you applied? No. Have, you, have you decided not to, to partner with other? I have not tried to um, get any grants or any federal funding. I have not. One thing that I did do, I have partnered with some of the other uh, pantries in the area. Okay. And so when they, when they get an over an influx of resources, they share with us. Okay. And the okay. same thing I do to them. If I get an influx, I share with them. And it, it has worked down through the years for me yes. for that reason. Yes. We have a budget and we, I try to stick with the budget that we have. Mm -hmm. so that we can continue to do the community outreach that we do okay. right now um, in our, you know, we, we um, service today was one of our service days. We service every Wednesday. So to the, and actually they're serving now. And so um, every Wednesday, as of the count before I came on with you, we were, we had serviced a hundred families as as of right now. Now I'm not I'm not there because I had to leave, but yes. as of right now, yes. service that many people. Mm, and a... so um I try I try to do what we can. I can't tell you we always have um always nutritious food. I can't tell you that. But we always have something yes. to give them. Can you okay. share or describe what a, a typical, and I know it varies based on what you have available and how you've negotiated with other, yeah. uh, other uh, houses of faith, but typically what would someone get at the food bank if they came in with the need? If they came 
for our pantry with a need like today. I just this today alone. Please. Today we gave out whole chickens. We gave out steaks. We gave out pork chops. We gave out cheese. We gave out eggs, cabbage, white potatoes, onions. We gave out cantaloupe, honeydew melons. We gave out lettuce, cucumbers. We gave out rice. We gave out plantains. Mm. I'm, I ordered it, so I'm telling you what I get. What I gave right. out. That's what we gave out today. Well, today, that's what we had today. Today and already today, you've serviced approximately a hundred families, a hundred persons, a hundred families. That's a significant right contribution. Talking about outreach, engagement, is. that is remarkable. Now <laughs> we're having impacts, right? So we're not talking about one or two people here and there. We're talking about a hundred persons who are attached to yes. families, right? Absolutely. Sons Absolutely. and daughters, Absolutely. aunts and uncles, moms and dads. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Wow, that's that's just really uh, remarkable. Um, have you thought about uh, trying to increase your capacity by seeking grants or working with the National Food Bank? And have you thought about putting in some other systems and resources to supplement and support your, your mission? Well, we, we are part of, of a national food bank. We are. But that's the only thing we are a part of. We're not a part of any other agency or organization. I have, like I forestated, I, I partnered with some of our pantries in our area and when okay. they have stuff. And I have thought about it, but the problem is, um, uh, in my church, I cannot speak for others, but I can mm -hmm. only speak for mine. In my church, I don't have a grant writer. I don't okay. have. Um, so when you don't have those resources in yeah. inside of your building, it's difficult for you to get somebody to write the grant, to keep up with the grant and all that. So we, we've we never had it because I've never had anybody to do that for us. So there's the grant um, so, writer and there's the person that has to manage and administer the grant and then report right, back the right. data to the source right. of, yeah. And there's, yeah. so we're going to pray after this that uh, God sends a grant writer uh, to expand oh, and, and give you more territory for the service. Now, let me ask you this question. What, what's been your experience and what, what's your assessment around how many people uh, you're greeting today are suffering with some mental illness, maybe related to the pandemic? or maybe unrelated, maybe that it preceded the pandemic, but of the folks who are coming in specifically to the food bank, what percentage do you think are challenged with some level or form of mental distress? 25%. And would you consider that a high percentage? I would consider that a high percentage. I would as well, yeah. And that's obvious 25%. to you. I would imagine that 25% uh, you're aware of because they've either demonstrated or disclosed it. Absolutely. But yes. within that remaining 75%, it may be prevalent, but they're able to hold it together maybe long enough and, and or they're not talking about it. Yeah. Right. They're not talking. They're not displaying anything. The 25% is displaying yeah. actions to let you know that there is an issue. You can How see it. It's all over. Yeah. Yes, right. Absolutely. What's the church's responsibility? Oh, you're taking me in a slightly different direction, but I have to go here. What's the church's responsibility uh, 
when it's time to address mental health? Is, does the church have a role in, in, in what does faith and belief play into mental health? Um, I try to address it. And we also have uh, some of our, some of our um, team leaders, they, are, they work with mental health. And so they have, they, they address it. They, they, they talk to them. They, you know, a lot of times um, I have one of my main people that work with mental health, actually she's over one of the mental health facilities. She mm -hmm. volunteers on Wednesday and she, she, she'll ask them, did you take your medicine? Um, oh. Or do you have, or have you talked to someone? You know, she in, engages with them, talks to them, and, you know, once she does that, they seem to calm down. Mm -hmm. They seem to calm down. So, so that for us, that's been working for us because she's there and some of, some of the others that work with the mental health, they know how to handle if a situation arises, if they need help or whatever. That's, okay. what, that's what we've been doing. Yeah, I know as the spiritual leader, you equipped your, your staff, your team on how to address and and engage in spiritual war warfare and how how to, to, to absolutely. Um, but we also know there's some practical things that also sometimes have to accompany uh, the deliverance uh, and management mm -hmm. of mental illness. Mm -hmm. And some churches have a tough time uh, making those kinds of recommendations. Take your meds. Did you see your doctor? Uh, did you attend your day program today? Did you notice you're, you're a little more paranoid today? And so they, they definitely uh, are focused on prayer. And, and But the more practical things, um, they kind of don't highlight or, or sometimes even ignore. And let me disclose again, um, because you're making me think back. So my oldest brother uh, was one of the uh, best um, church organists you can find. And he was playing in the church at age 14. Oh boy, he, okay. he that, that that instrument boy was his gift, his calling. Um, and my father relied on him a, a long time to be over the ministry, the music ministry. But at around, and let me describe him to you: the most talented, educated, bright, handsome, athletic. Oh man, my brother had all the <laughs> gifts that anyone could want uh, to navigate and master life. He had them all. Everyone loved him, mm -hmm. just wanted to be around him. But I remember around age 18, 19, things started changing for him. Uh, and in fact, uh, he uh, uh, developed severe mental illness, uh, severe mental illness, hearing voices, becoming paranoid, substance abuse, uh, anger management yeah. issues, really just broke my heart as a brother. Um, mm -hmm. But what I recognized is my father, the pastor, didn't know what to do. In fact, mm -hmm. he kept it kind of on the, right? Uh, he, he didn't uh, address it from the pulpit. He didn't address it practically. Uh, he just wasn't equipped. Uh, and that's all I can imagine as a parent, we all would struggle with our, 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 our child uh, being compromised by mental illness. Um, but it, that really stood out to me how, as a result, my brother had to suffer because the treatment wasn't offered. No one encouraged it. No one promoted it. No one, like you said, identified a resource. 
They just mm -hmm. prayed and kept it moving, prayed and kept it moving. And so what were your thoughts on that? You know, a lot of people are not, um, can I say it like this? No disrespect. No. A lot of times the older generation did not, did not get the teaching and training yeah. and they were more so only into divine healing and divine deliverance. Yeah. But God put, put the doctors there to help as well as, as um, divine healing. And yeah. so when we see, like for me um, at Victory Temple, when I see different signs, I know, because you got to watch the signs. Uh, when, they, when they're bipolar, when they haven't taken their medicine, they're off. Oh, their behavior is off. Their yeah. attitude is off. You know, and when, when, when they have mental illness and their voices are talking to them, they, they begin to be fidgety and you got to watch their, their body language and all of those different things. And so these are the things that we were trained and taught about so that we'll know and, you know, going into ministry, you're going to have all kinds that come through. And mm -hmm. so with mental health, I tell people, take your medicine. You need it. Don't tell me, you know, <laughs> no disrespect. I, I tell them, take your medicine. You need your medicine, sweetie. You, mm -hmm. you, yep, you want the Lord to heal you, but that's healing right there. Every mm -hmm. time you swallow that pill, that's healing. You know what I mean? Because they have chemical imbalances, and if they don't take their medicine, then you'd be wondering why they walk and talking to themselves down the street. That's right. And you told them, don't take their medicine, because the Lord right. won't heal them. The Lord did heal them. He gave them the medicine. That's, that's right. why he put the people, the I'm doctor there. That's why yeah. he put the therapist there. The therapist is there to help them. Some people will not tell, tell people to go see a therapist. You need the therapist. That's what they're there for. Right. God didn't place them there just, for, just, to, just to say, you got a degree and you mm -hmm. went to school for eight years and got a, got a degree. No, right. he right. put them there to help us. He knew right. we were going to have to have it. He knew people needed to be able to communicate on a different level. Because yes. yes. some things are not always spiritual. There Some things are genetic. They're genetic. Some things are genetic. They're in your genes. And you have to be able to have somebody to see that, recognize it, point it out, and then point you to the right direction so you can get help. And a lot of people won't talk about that. They want to keep everything in the closet. But how are you ever going to get any help if you keep it in the closet? You hey. got to talk about it. Got to talk about it. You know, and that's you, that, that's you, I can't help you unless you, you, even when you go, when they go to AA, when they go to the drug treatments, they tell them they have to talk, right? You've got to right. communicate. You got to tell me what's going on. You only way you're going to get help is you got to come out of denial, admit you got a problem and bam, then you can get some help. It's the same thing with us. That's right. When we see people have a problem, <clears throat> we can't just smooth it over. Oh, that's just her. That's, that's right. just the way they act. No, that's just not the way they act. There's a problem there. And when you recognize it, you got to put into action. Mm -hmm. You got to do something. You can't just let it ride. No. I'm going to just ride this out. No. Mm -mm. And you know so I, I'm, an advocate. I'm an advocate of making sure people know where resources are and go get them. Yes. Don't tell me you got a drinking problem and I'm telling you you got one. And you and you're not doing anything about it. That's right. That's right. Because me, I, I'm I'm a I'm a tell you I'm a checker upper. I'll call and say, did you go? Did you go sign yourself in? You need to go sign yourself in. You need help. You don't want Jesus. 
Mm-hmm. Hello. You know what hey. I'm saying? You don't want <laughs> Jesus, so go get the help. Stop playing. You know, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I'm telling you, I'm already told them to clear out this therapy office for you because I need you to occupy it and provide some services over here. You're right. You're right on the money. And I, I wish other faith leaders uh, would embrace and adapt the mindset that you have, that God works through systems. God works through people. Well, uh, God works through science. And he's approved it and anointed it and made it available for the healing. And so there should be no restrictions or barriers or hesitation to access qualified services to help stabilize your mind, stabilize your health, stabilize your spirit. Uh, in recovery, we talk a lot about the, the three domains, your spiritual health, your emotional health, and your physical health. And the, the literature is real clear. You have to hit all three bullseye in order to get a good outcome. Not one or two of them. You got to hit all three, right? So we can stay in church all Sunday, every Wednesday, every Friday, early service on Saturday. But if we're not focusing on our medical health, our physical health, and our emotional health, our recovery and our, our, our attempts to secure peace in our life is, will be incomplete. Um, yes. You know, people present with uh, multiple issues. I'm sure that when people come to the food bank, it's not just one thing. There's multiple right. things trailing in with them. And we need to right. be able to identify tag it and refer it appropriately we know the church is designed to provide all the services but i think as a resource right. vehicle we should be prepared to identify mm-hmm. assess and refer at a minimum yeah absolutely um, um people uh social workers are mandated reporters right when they see something that's out of order they're mandated reporters that's and right. we have to do the same thing we have to we have to when we see something that's out of order Mm. We have to be, be, and can I say this to you? No disrespect. We Please. have to be woman or man up to stand up mm. and not be a scaredy cat yeah. and deal with the issue. And, and, and I sit, uh, when we refer them, then call somebody and check it up. You know mm. what I'm saying? Make That's sure right. they get what the resources they need because sometimes you can refer them, but they won't do anything about it. That's sometimes right. people need you to just give that extra push. Mm. Look at that. Sometimes they don't, they, they, sometimes they're, they're not there. They're not strong enough just yeah. to do it themselves. So when you're behind them, pushing them, they'll get something done. Pastor Ward, I appreciate with no disrespect. You definitely are, you're not a punk. You're, you're in your boldness. You're not a punk. And, and you can't be timid to do this work, right? You can't be timid. Uh, many, no, we, we have can. to be able to tolerate all of the expressions that potentially we are greeted with. You got to be able to be strong enough to, to wrestle and engage and redirect and reduce and reject some of the profane and some of the pathology that you're faced with on a regular basis in your role in ministry. And so I appreciate your courage and your directness and your boldness. Um, God has put you right where, boy, he's you right in position. Um, let We only have a couple minutes left. Could you specifically... Uh, describe to us what's different pre-pandemic around food bank delivery service and now that we're in the pandemic is there like one or two things that are dramatically different in terms of the experience for you and your church well before the pandemic you could 
make an appointment and go down to the food bank and you could pick through different things and get what you wanted. But since the pandemic, you cannot even go in the building. And so everything that we get, we have to go online and order it. Mm -hmm. It comes prepackaged um, to us. So since the pandemic, um, everything has really heightened as far as security, food okay. security has heightened. Um, yeah. Also, since, since the pandemic, um, with um, even getting donations, before we, we used to get like, you know, a lot of donations from different vendors, but mm -hmm. now because of the pandemic and they don't want any lawsuits, you yep. know, they're distant yeah. as far as giving like they were because they don't want it to come back on them. If they give you something and then somebody said, well, I got it from your pantry. And, and, and I said, well, it came from sure, sure safe. I'll just use sure yeah. safe. It came from sure, sure safe. And then sure safe said, well, I gave it to them and, and they're liable for, we're not liable. Mm. People don't want to be liable for things these days. So that's another yeah. issue. That's another yeah. piece of the puzzle. Very, very, very that's another piece of the puzzle. Another piece of the puzzle is we have to make sure everything is sanitized. Mm. Everything, everything that comes through that door, when it goes in and goes out, it has to be, we have to make sure it's sanitized. The facility has to be sanitized when the clients come in and out, all of that. All of that before wasn't so much of an issue. Now it is. Things I never even considered um, have now become the new normal, right? The new normal. Absolutely, absolutely. In closing, before we uh, get a chance to uh, share with the audience your contact information, can you give us three tips uh, that uh, for anyone who's at risk of food insecurity, they're at risk, they're not there, but it's it's close. They just lost their job. They, uh, they were just uh, uh, removed from their housing. Um, they're at risk for food insecurity. Can you give us any tips for them? Any advice? One thing I will say is if you are at risk for food and you have tried to get food stamps and you've been denied, because sometimes people have been denied and you've been denied, find a local pantry in your community. If you go to one place and you get turned down, go somewhere else. Because there's somebody that's going to have a heart to serve and they're going to serve you with integrity. And then the other thing that if you um, are at, a, 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 at high risk, um, about to lose everything, there are agencies that will help you. Um, the, you, know, you can go online and look online and there are agencies online that will help to assist you with your food, with your shelter, with clothing, with, with resources, with your electric bill, mm -hmm. all of that, you know, they have I, whatever you're in, in your area. I don't, I can't say all of the community areas, um, but a lot of, a lot of it is, it, it is in the community and it's online. Yeah. And so that's okay. another resource. Okay. And then another resource would be, you can go to the church. You can yeah. find the church. And so a lot of churches do have pantries in their churches. They will help. That's right. They will. Pastor Tanya Ward, we've appreciated this time with you. You've been a blessing to, to me and I'm sure to our uh, audience of listeners. Uh, if someone wanted to reach out to you to either donate, support your mission, and 
support your vision, where would they, what's the best contact information? I have a cash app. They can donate through cash oh app. What is that? Give it to us. Uh, it, it's a uh, Propertis Tanya Ward. Prophetess Tanya Ward. Tanya Ward. Mm -hmm. okay. And they can donate through, through Cash App um, to the pantry, to the mm -hmm. ministry. Um, that's how we, that's how we, that's how we've been sustained. Okay. Even in this, because a lot of, of course, you do know, uh, you know, a lot of the ministries, we were um, limited as to who can come and who can't. And so therefore we have, we had to figure out other ways to be able to help to strengthen the ministry so that the doors would not be closed, so yes, that the right. pantry would not be closed, so that the ministry would continue. And so now we have the cash app and if anybody wants to donate, they can donate through cash app. Yeah, please do. Could you repeat that uh, address again for the audience? Prophetess Tanya Ward. Very good. I encourage Prophetess the audience. Tanya mm -hmm. Ward. And encourage the audience, if it's placed on your heart, to support this ministry. Um, um, and so, and I'm sure Pastor and the congregation would be uh, deeply grateful for that. Do you have an email address where people can communicate with you, Pastor? Lady, the number four, victory at verizon.net. Lady, Lady the number four, victory, victory at verizon.net okay, thank you pastor Ward, we thank you for your time your ministry and, and your mission uh, and your anointing and you shared such uh, helpful information for us to really think about and hopefully other congregations and other clinics and agencies can uh, accommodate the service to include some form of food uh, service uh, food bank uh, there's definitely a need now more than ever and even when the pandemic is behind us, the need would still remain. Uh, so let's be Absolutely. clear, the pandemic didn't cause food shortages and challenges for some families. It just exacerbated mm -hmm. it and enhanced it. And so when we go back to our Absolutely. new normal, uh, the resources will still be necessary to help those in need. Hey, listen, this has been a great episode. And, and for our audience, if you wanna learn more about Prestige Community Resources, and just go to our website, prestigecommunityresources.org. Uh, we thank our guests again, Pastor Tanya Ward. We're so grateful for you and thank you for time. And for the audience, I'm going to add, I normally close by saying be safe and be well, but I'm going to add one more thing on there since I've been talking with pastors. So I'm going to say be well, be safe, and be blessed. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.